0: Hi, I'm Sam Candy, founder and CEO of Responsible Futures. Welcome to Sustain Talks. Today, I'm joined by Gavin Lendon. Gavin is a sustainability consultant who focuses on strategy, purpose, carbon emissions and net zero. He's an ESG specialist and GRI certified. If you're wondering what that is, we're going to get into it in a minute. Gavin was one of our panellists on Does ESG Matter the other day. There were so many questions that we didn't get through, and I thought I'd take this time to continue the conversation um, from where we left off and uh, try and answer some of the questions that were asked. So, Gavin, welcome to Sustain Talks. Good to see you again so soon. I look forward to speaking
1: to you again. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, it will be fun. And um, we covered it in the webinar, but I think you know we always get a lot of new listeners, viewers to the podcast. So, um, in your view, let's just start with what is ESG?
1: ESG um, stands for environmental, social, and governance. Um, it's being used. Since 2004, by the financial community to actually start assessing companies for non financial aspects. Um, it's developed its own language and its own kind of skill sets. Uh, a question that will come up later, I'm sure, is what is the connection between ESG and sustainability as a whole? But we'll do that in due course
0: yeah well actually let's not wait around let's um let's hit that one straight away because there is a bit of confusion around esg and sustainability um why is that what let's talk about the difference between the two
1: um well, i'm only going to give you my perspective because everyone's everyone's view is unique to them yes. obviously um for me ESG focuses on the entity that's reporting. So as a consequence, it talks about um, basically what is happening to them. Um, Whereas sustainability to me is not only what is happening to that organization, but what is also happening to the outside, the environment as a whole, includes biodiversity loss, there's a lot more human rights aspects, there's um, a lot more... Kind of environmental impacts. Um, one thing that I was going to mention, which we talked about briefly on the, the webinar, is um, ESG can be slightly misleading. So, for example, uh, I was going to talk about MasterCard on the, uh, the webinar. Um, the MasterCard, uh, in terms of the sustainability report, they are absolutely excellent. You cannot fault them. Um, They have targeted, in terms of the the, the UN SDGs, which I appreciate will come up as well, Um, they have targeted various SDGs um, to address. Now, ironically, I would personally have thought one of the SDGs that they would have targeted would have been responsible consumption, because um, I've literally, in the last two weeks, was approached about a post I made on LinkedIn about MasterCard adopting this, um, and it was about if they are sort of promoting the purchase of um, long-haul air flights, et cetera. Uh, and as a consequence, increasing carbon um, for for sake of argument, should that actually be greenwashing? And it's a it's a good point. Um, in terms of sustainability, our MasterCard just as, a, as a, an example, targeting the wrong things in terms of ESG. So it's a controversial subject.
0: It is. And you know, when it comes to, you know, I believe in also a sustainable economy, but it's just not at the mass that it has been. But um there's certainly legislations around ESG and sustainability, and they are ramping up and it is becoming more Apparent and there's a lot of um call out nature now which i think is really good but um in particular let's talk a bit about those legislations and what they are and what they mean
1: right in in terms of we'll start with the uk um as a whole and um one bit of legislation that's come into effect recently is um the tcfds um and that at the moment is applying to the larger companies and it, it makes a mandatory requirement to make certain climate disclosures. So uh, you'll see what is happening a lot in terms of banks, financial institutions, when they're lending money, they're now asking the borrower what, what's their climate plans? What what are they doing in, th- in terms of carbon reduction? I appreciate a lot of the um, discussion is focused on carbon emissions, which again, sustainability is much wider than that but that's one aspect of it Uh, and they'll have to make mandatory disclosures in terms of energy use etc etc so it's a start that the challenging thing is researching for this uh, session is it's likely that the tfcds will be rolled out by 2025 to absolutely everybody which is perhaps a little bit daunting for a number of people
0: Yeah, so at the moment, isn't it, it's companies that have over 500
1: uh, employees.
0: um, But, you know, for smaller companies, they're not going to have somebody within their company that's going to be able to. And just for for those that don't know, TCFD stands for Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. Um, But, um, you know, smaller companies are really going to struggle with this because they're not going to um have the right people in, in within their company. Uh, I guess it, it was the same around um, uh, when when we had to look at um, uh, data protection, yes. you know um, but the, the small, smaller companies are going to struggle, aren't they?
1: I, I totally agree with you. there's um, it's it's a real challenge and I imagine what will happen, will there be a transitional phase saying you need to adopt it? But if you haven't quite adopted, it, we won't kibosh you over the head with a fine or a penalty for a period of two to three years for sake of argument. I don't I I don't actually know because I don't set policy for the government, strangely enough. But um, I agree with you. It is going to be challenging at the moment. Just to to clarify slightly your point about the 500 employees, it is 500, 500 employees. And also if you are listed. So if you are a listed company, which I think is mainly the the stock exchange but it might also apply to aim as well i, I need to check that because i do have some aim clients as well
0: um, and there's other things like csrd the corporate Sus- uh, sustainability reporting directive can you we, tell us a little bit more about that, and what yes, that is?
1: we are venturing now into europe hooray um in simple terms the CSR CSRD is it equates to the UK legislation, but is European wide. Um, again, it is going to be the largest companies that apply it uh, applies to first. It's mandatory disclosures uh, on climate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my, you mentioned that I'm GRI certified. The GRI basically they're broadly supportive of the initiative, but they think it should go further on human rights. Um, due diligence and some other aspects in terms of it in environment, etc. So the, the general, general thrust, which I think me and you can draw from this is that it is gonna become mandatory for, at the moment, large companies, but in due course, it will be all companies to make these disclosures of non-financial information, which as you say, is challenging and rather daunting. I don't want to completely scare the audience because when you when you start looking into it it becomes easier but like most things it's taking the first step that is the challenge
0: and of, of that reporting like just um looking at the reports a little bit closer what kind of things you know is it uh, you've got a um, report on your carbon footprint or your um your number of employees your diversity and inclusion what what's it actually in the report
1: well that, that's an interesting question because at the moment you have set structures for financial reports in terms of the non-financial disclosures it's much looser for want of better expression um, GRI which is the one that I'm certified in produces a form of structure which basically is a is a simple kind of approach of here's a context index, which is stuck towards the back. That if you go to that first, it will tell you where every bit is. Um, but at the moment, there is no requirement to have a specific structure. So if I look at Diageo's report, it'll be totally different to, say, Nike or um, BP. So that can, in itself can be confusing. And there's also the slight issue which I know this is a subject you really love is there's no actual auditing of the sustainability reports. So people can make statements. Now you've mentioned the fact that people are getting called out on these. So if they make a statement that has to be factually correct, but that that's the limit of the requirement. So you can make sort of marketing ish statements, but I think that will get tighter over time.
0: Well, it needs to really, because anyone... Question. And actually, um, I've been having this conversation loads recently that people are making statements about getting to net zero and then you ask them, oh, brilliant, tell us about your plan. And they're like, oh, we haven't wrote the plan yet, but you've just claimed that you're going to get to net zero by 2030. Oh, yeah, we'll work it out. It's those those reports, I guess it starts with get everyone into the habit of doing it and then, and then we'll, we'll make a policy around it.
1: I, I totally agree with you. The, um, I mean, even if you take COP26, everyone's gonna achieve net zero by 2050. Everyone pats each other on the back and says, good job, well done, absolutely. <laughs> goal. But there's no plans in place to achieve that in certain countries. Um, Admittedly, you know, the UK's got some plans, but there's still an element of detail missing. Um, But when it comes down to companies, you make a broad brush statement of saying, oh, we're going to hit net zero by 2035 for sake of argument. And are they going to do it? Now, the interesting organisation to watch is the NHS, because I've listened to the, the chief sustainability officer there, and, oh, my God, he is so serious about them achieving it. They've, they've set it in place already that they're going to hit their largest suppliers by 2027. And then by 2030, they're going to achieve net zero scopes one, two and three globally. So that means all their suppliers on their global emissions will be net zero. That is a really ambitious target but they seem to be determined to achieve it.
0: Yeah, it is. And, you know, we've spoke about this before, companies need to do it without offsetting, right?
1: Yes. Now, as, as we both know, this is a subject we are both aligned <laughs> on. Um, I My personal view is there is a place for offsetting. However, it shouldn't be used as an excuse not to try. So I am pretty disappointed that, that let's say, you get down to 10% of, of emissions and you say, oh, right, well, we'll just offset the rest. Oh, look, we've achieved net zero. No, you haven't really, because all you've done is just bought something that supposedly gets you to net zero. You should really try and get as close as you can to zero yourself. Um most some organizations such as uh, BrewDog uh, are trying to be net um net negative so they're they're trying to go even further so that is impressive but i, I know me and you are completely aligned on um, carbon offsets
0: yeah i'm not you know i'm not against planting trees and i think that we should i'm definitely against destroying the rainforests and i think it's it's Devastating what is happening to the rainforest at the moment, and to other forests around the world, and um, you know, not even from the from natural um, forest fires, but um, you know, climate change is getting worse. But you know, the length of time that it takes to um,
1: to grow a tree to you know to capture the, the carbon, it's... which is which is why I think it's important that people must realise that offsetting isn't necessary planting trees.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you can get now offsets from regenerative agriculture. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got quite a strong regenerative agriculture in this country. Um, there is a range of com- a range of farmers called um, Gentle Farming.
0: Yes, I interviewed him,
1: actually. Great guy. Thomas Gent, yeah? Yeah. Top man. Uh, and they are looking at acquiring some sort of carbon credits via, I think it's a company called Agreena. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it, would, it pleases me to support something that is actually in the UK as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's certified and it's approved. As well as that, you've got seagrass, mangrove mangrove forests. So mm. um, there's, there's plenty of options. I think, and I, I'm sure, Sam you know about this better than me, if we plant all the trees we claim to offset, we've covered the planet twice with trees so something somewhere isn't quite adding up
0: yeah i I don't think it's adding up i don't think the um you know the amount of trees that are cut down and the amount of trees are planted uh uh i think it's like seven million a day are cut down and seven million a day are planted and um, well what's the point of that you know we have to stop the ones that are being cut down um, is my point but you know you're you're right if you if you planted all the trees that we're saying that we're planting then we'd we'd all live in forests and that's not happening so it's i think that there's um there's some statements but it it as you say it's more than
1: just um cutting down trees to dwell on your point slightly, um, on your point about deforestation of, of the rainforest, in particular Brazil, um, you're cutting down mature trees. You're planting saplings.
0: Yeah. I know. Those trees have been growing for hundreds of years. Um, they say that it takes 30 years to um, for a tree to be able to sequester the carbon. And for um, well, 30 years, it's going to be too late. So right. what that sort of brings back right. what is the point? So we I think we have to look into other solutions as well. And um, I just want to go back uh, to some of the other um, reporting frameworks that are, that are available, and not necessarily reporting frameworks, but you know, there's things that um, people use, like the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, do they fit into the ESG framework?
1: Um. Now I'm slightly biased coming from GRI, so I'll talk, I'll talk about the other frameworks. Um, the SDGs have been designed. Uh, obviously, there's 17 SDGs. Underlying the 17 SDGs, there's 169 targets. Um, which, if you, uh, I will add a link to um, to send to you, which you can add to underneath the podcast, so actually people can see what these these are, um, and they. Drill down into a level of detail. Once you've got to that level of detail, you're beginning to hit matters that really should be in ESG in the first place. So some of the frameworks don't actually look at SDGs specifically, but will pick up the, the issues that are covered by the targets. So that's in their defense. <laughs> GRI, however, has been developed in conjunction with the UN Global Compact so it naturally includes the sdgs within it so hence the reason i'm slightly biased so
0: (laughs) and that's fair enough it's it's the framework that you work within and and so you should be promoting that but um um, what about other metrics and other kpis that can be used
1: Oh, oh my gosh there's so many um as as you know if you if you're if you're trying to develop a strategy, you're trying to achieve a goal. If you're trying to achieve a goal, the goal has to be measured in some shape or form. I think it's Porter, the, the management guru, basically said, if you can't measure it, you can't control it. So stating all that, the KPI has to be related to the target you're trying to achieve. So if we just jump around the subject slightly, uh, and you talked about uh, carbon reduction, there's science-based targets, which which people should subscribe to in time, which basically says, I'm going to achieve net zero by 2035. Great statement. And, and it, but if you say that and then say, but I've got the science-based targets to prove that I'm going to achieve it, what the science-based targets will do is look where you're trying to get to in 2035 and say you need to achieve this by then, this by then, and this by then. So that in itself is great. Um, In terms of KPIs across the field, um, it really depends on what you're trying to achieve as a target. Um, I'm slightly biased in terms of sustainability. Um, So if we take a social target, for sake of arguing, uh, and you've got um, number of employees, you want to try and understand how much your employees are doing for charitable causes or whatever so that in terms gives you a metric how number of hours you've let your employees go and take time off work to deliver a, a charitable objective great so there's plenty of metrics you can use
0: yeah um I think it's you know, for a lot of companies, still, even though there's so much talk about this, I put out content every single week, every single day, you do, um, the, there's so many people, but obviously the algorithms of um, social media mean that people that are engaged see it, and people that aren't don't, um, so there's a lot of people that are still not sure where they can start, so taking out all of the um, directives and the frameworks and everything else. If you're saying to somebody, um, right, this is where you should start. This is the basics. Where do you go in with an SME? Um,
1: so I, I think personally you, uh, and we did touch on this in the in the webinar, uh, and I think we were all, we were all aligned. The first thing you need to do is think about what you're trying to achieve just take some time to take a day out from the office and think what am i trying to achieve and then once you've got in mind the kind of objective of where you're trying to go you need to establish where you are which comes back to carbon footprinting um what are you doing already in terms of sustainability and then once you know where you were or where you are and where you want to get to you can then start planning how to get you don't necessarily need frameworks to achieve this you could um, you don't necessarily to beca- need to become a B Corps. You don't necessarily need to do GRI or whatever. If you've got an idea of where you are and where you want to get to, you can easily plot the route. I say yeah. it's easy. It's not necessarily easy.
0: But... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. You You know, you have to look at your carbon footprint. You have to look at your workforce and what's important to them as well. And, you know, the like we often talk about environment we don't always talk about the s in the esg and that sort of um diversity and inclusion health and well-being community and charity and i think that that is as important as the e and in environment we always talk about um your carbon footprint but we don't necessarily really go into detail about waste and recycling and the circular economy which i think the more companies that look at the circular economy um are going to help us to get in into a better
1: position without without a doubt um if you if you think in simple terms that i even if you play a video game you get told at the start of the game you have one thousand units of this resource one thousand units of that resource, 1,000 units of that resource, that's the planet. It has a finite amount of resources. So until we get to a point where we actually recycle those resources through a circular economy, then QED, we're heading to a little bit of a disaster. Now, admittedly, some of that might be further away. But in terms of achieving it, making your business more circular, simply by just keeping your packaging or um, getting your bottles returned or recycling the plastic or taking uh, an old phone back when you replace the new phone simple gestures um, it, it's fascinating um, nespresso for example in Switzerland have a, a, a circular project whereby the challenge is you use your your pod you can tell I don't drink coffee you can use your pod, it's a pod. Uh, and then yeah visit pod and then you put it into your post box in terms of in a special package and the Swiss postal service pick it up it's just brilliant so there are ways <laughs> won't to-
0: that won't ruin the letters that are in there that are yeah. being posted because you can get coffee all over all of the, all of in the letters.
1: The, <laughs> in, in theory, the, the pods are empty by then, I hope. But um, th- that's one of the challenges. Oh, it. It, yeah. yeah. One of the challenges in terms of the circular economy is getting it to scale. Yeah. Um, just for, for another example, in the UK, TerraCycle and Lay's, which is the company that owns Walker's, uh, recycle crisp packets. So, But the challenge there, uh, and I'll only have to listen to my wife on this one, is you have to iron, practically iron the, the crisp packet, fold it up, put it into the collection point, and then it went away. And most people are just scrunching their crisp packets. So there are challenges within this.
0: Yeah, I, I had a brilliant conversation there. Actually, the podcast I put out uh, this week was uh, about e-waste and recycling our computers and technology. And um, it's shocking. 53.6 million tonnes, or was it billion tonnes, of of e-waste. And, you know, I I remember in my old companies, you'd open the IT cupboard and they'd have all their old computers piled up in a, you know... Mm. that's not that's like screwing up a crisp packet you you need to like look after your things to recycle
1: them uh, as well there's a there's a great company uh, whose name escapes me so yet again i'll send the link to you in, in due course that simply just um recycles computers um
0: stone group was the one that i was speaking to the other day they're fantastic what they do yeah,
1: yeah. And, and it's not if you bear in mind most five years ago where sam and Gav were slightly younger um that back then if you said someone oh you can have a recycled computer you would turn your nose up and go well, not very good but what they can do nowadays with them they are just as good in terms of performance as some of the newer computers so there's yeah, no yeah. in performance there
0: and um, how Important is all this, and I always ask this because you know some people say, Oh, I don't like to scare, but I think that we are heading for an absolute climate disaster that seems to be getting worse and worse and worse each year. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, you, you chose we're doing we're recording this on the Friday. Um, now on the Monday, the BBC and Reuters reported that we are two years away from hitting 1.5 already, when we should be hitting it at 2050. So, slight clue there. <laughs> the The urgency is now. Um, like you, I don't like scaring people per se. Um, oh
0: no, but- I like scaring them i'm like oh. scare, scare them <laughs> they're, they're not really paying attention it's like
1: know. I,
0: people are oblivious to it
1: well well that's something i'll come on to in a second the the reports on monday uh were pretty shocking and horrendous <laughs> um and so there is a need there is an urgency that that's without question the the, the point i was going to make is those two stories only ranked halfway down the page because Depp versus Heard was far more interesting. It's a court case. This is the planet disappearing. Yeah. Uh, and it comes back to, uh, I'm sure you've seen that Netflix film, Don't Look Up. Yeah. We're actually living I've
0: it. wrote about it so many times, yeah. I know.
1: It's I know. shocking.
0: Yeah. I know it really is. And that, that news this week, I think it, you know, it seems to be getting closer, but I just, I don't think people really can um, maybe they're not relating enough to, you know, the food shortage is going to get more and food's going to get more expensive. And, you know, we're going to have to look at locally grown food more where the energy prices are going through the, the roof. Um, people are struggling at the moment and that. Because yes. of climate change, it's just going to get worse and worse.
1: Precisely, and I think you're talking about it in a UK terminology um, context. Mm. Now, on the on the webinar, I touched on the fact that in India and Pakistan, the temperature is is horrendous, and that will continue. And at that point, I mentioned the fact that there's going to be mass migrations. Yeah, yeah, which is a bit controversial, seeing as we're in living in brexit land and we're defending our our island and sending people to rwanda um that's a political point and i don't want to go down that road but in due course there will be mass migrations of people away from the inhospitable places to the more hospitable places and unfortunately or fortunately depending on your view we live on a very very temperate island so there is problems ahead
0: yeah there, there is not, not right. human gloom. Oh, me and you, Gavin, we could just talk about this all day. Um, every day, I only spoke the other day, and we're back again. Um, but I think it's so important to have these conversations. I will have them week in, week out, with as many people as I can. And honestly, thanks for sharing your insight. I think it's really important that we covered those other questions and um, that we didn't manage to cover in the webinar. And um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes coming out. And uh, we um, just wanted to sort of mention here: we've got another webinar. Uh, why net zero matters so we're going to delve a little bit deeper into what net zero is and how you get there and talk further about offsetting that takes place on the 9th of June please go to um, www.responsiblefutures.info and check out our uh, events page for free tickets all of our content is free and um, yeah it just leaves me to say thank you Gavin this has been such a good chat I look forward we're definitely going to have more of these conversations been great working with you and look forward to speaking to you further have a good day
1: thank you very much really enjoyed it yeah
0: take care care. bye